Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. One of the fun things we get to do on the Coffee Hour is talk to authors uh, and and reveal these books that are coming out from Concordia Publishing House, our Synod's publishing arm. And today we get to talk to the Reverend Dr. Kevin Golden, pastor of Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri, and also my pastor, about his new book coming out soon from CPH, uh, Blessed Be His Name. Welcome, Pastor Golden. Thanks for joining us on the Coffee Hour today. It's always a joy and honor to be with you. So this book is about the name of God. Um, what prompted this book? Uh, what what was the uh, the inspiration to write this book about the name of God? So this is something that's always been uh, of interest to me, and I don't recall exactly when it was that I first kind of picked up on this, but uh, through um, my growth in the Christian faith, into seminary and such, I, I noted how often in Holy Scripture uh, God's name comes up, and there's a reference to as if God and his name are interchangeable. What's going on with his name is going on with him, and you cannot separate him from his name. And so that really piqued my interest. So over the course of time, I just started getting a bit more uh, interested in it. Eventually, I did a Bible study here at Village about a decade ago uh, on this very topic, and I got really good response from the congregation, even had some people say, you know, Pastor, I think you had to flush that out even more into a book. And I said, okay. And it took me, well, nearly a decade to actually get around to doing that. But eventually it was completed, and I'm really grateful that CPH has uh, agreed to publish this, uh, really just trying to delve into all the beauty, power, uh, everything that the Lord packs into his name. And nothing wrong with taking a decade to write a book. Some of us haven't <laughs> written any books, so take it, take as long as you want to write books. Uh, I'm just so glad that you wrote this book uh, about uh, the names, uh, uh, what's in a name. And, and, and that's a big question. What is so important about a name? Well, you can think just on the purely human level. We recognize there's a lot packed into our names uh, that we see that our name carries our own reputation. And so you like to guard your name. Uh, you also might even think about how uh, we react sometimes when we hear the names that are chosen for some individuals, that some names uh, maybe are a good family name so that you hear a name and, well, that was his grandpa's name. Uh, my wife and I named one of our sons after my father. So, uh, you know, th there can be a lot packed in there history-wise. There was a time when your name would even reveal a little bit about who you were as far as your vocation. So if you had the last name Miller, it meant that you were a Miller, that you worked in a mill. Or Smith, you were a blacksmith, and on down the line. We don't have quite that much packed into names now. Instead, we tend to maybe choose names sometimes now that will maybe uh, be a bit edgy or unique, especially if you uh, follow the celebrities and such, the names they choose for their children can be rather unique. Uh, <laughs> but certainly we, we recognize a lot's packed in a name. And 
if I might, I'll just go Shakespearean on you here for a moment. Um, mm -hmm. You can even think about Romeo and Juliet, where uh, uh, the back and forth between the two of them. And one of the big challenges, of course, in their relationship is their names, not their personal names, but their family names, the Montague, Capulet. And they recognize that, oh, if only your name was different, as if everything about who you are is packed into that name and you know how the story of Romeo and Juliet goes but so even on a purely human level we recognize our very identity is kind of bound up within our name so we find a lot of names in the bible they're all over the place obviously and a lot of them are our hebrew names what is so significant about hebrew names in the bible well typically hebrew names have a, a very specific meaning. So, for example, with my name, Kevin Golden, that's not Hebrew. Both Kevin and Golden happen to be Irish names. And they really don't tell you a whole lot about me other than maybe that I have Irish heritage, which I do. It's not a very big part of my heritage. Uh, also, the fact that my name is Kevin tells you that I'm a male. Of course, we have some names that won't reveal um, the individual's sex all that clearly. We have uh, names that are used for both male and female, a name like Shannon or Chris, whether it's short for Christine or Christopher. So, uh, but with Hebrew names, they have a lot packed into them. So you can think about some of uh, the famous Hebrew names. It really tells you a lot about the person, everything from Adam, that's the Hebrew word Adam, which means mankind, which makes sense because he is the first human being and all descend from him. But also Adam comes from the Hebrew word Adama, which means earth. And remember, what is Adam made out of? He's made out of the earth. So Adam comes out of the Adama. You can do this with uh, any number of individuals in the Old Testament. Uh, Daniel. There's another great one. Daniel means God is my judge. What a wonderful uh, name that is there for. And then you have this all funnel right into the New Testament where you have Jesus. And his name uh, says a lot about who he is. So especially this time of the year, we're running right up here rather close to Christmas. And we know in Matthew chapter 1, uh, Joseph is told by the angel, you're going to name this child Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so that name Jesus, or the Hebrew version of that, Yeshua, Joshua, as we would say, uh, is from the Hebrew word for salvation. So that tells you a lot about who he is. So that's the thing Hebrew loves to do is names actually had a lot of meaning packed right into them that would tell you a lot about the person. So is there a difference between our names and God's name? Well, yes. <laughs> now, on you know, because God's God and we're not. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> now, there, there are some things that are in concert with them as far as identity being bound into the name, but that's even more so with God than with you and I, because God has bound himself so to his name that wherever his name is, he is. And this is one of my uh, favorite illustrations of this is in the establishment of the temple in the Old Testament. So if you go to uh, Solomon's prayer of dedication at the temple, you kind of have this back and forth where Solomon will be praying things like this. Oh, Lord, you have promised that your name will dwell in this temple. And then in the very next breath, you'll be talking about how the Lord dwells in the temple. And it's just one of uh, 
many examples in scripture wherever God's name is, that is where he is. And that says a lot about why God is so concerned about his name. After all, think about the Ten Commandments. We have the very first commandment is, you shall have no other gods. And what you can rightly then understand, all the other commandments are a playing out of that very reality. What does it look like to have no other gods? Well, it means all these things that you that you honor your parents, that you don't murder, you don't commit adultery, you don't steal, you don't give false testimony. But as God lays out, what does it look like to have him alone as God? The very first item of business is, what do you do with his name? That he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then, similarly, Christ does the same kind of thing when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. So that the very first petition the very first thing he teaches us to pray in that prayer after we've addressed our prayer to the Father is, hallowed be thy name. So what's of first importance? That God's name would be holy within our lives. So God is constantly keeping his name at the forefront because whatever you're doing with his name, you're doing with him. And that also means when you're given his name, you get him. And what a blessed gift that is because that means everything that's packed into God is really packed into his name as well. So what, what are some of the different names that we use for God? So I would want to focus on the ones that God himself reveals to us. After all, it's his name, and he reveals it to us. And so therefore, we ought to call him according to the ways that he has chosen to be. Of course, we have all of our alternate ways that we like to refer to God. And maybe sometimes that's because we're trying to soften his name a little bit, uh, that we have these deferential ways to talk about him as the uh, the man upstairs. Well, that's not how God chooses to reveal himself. So, well, I'm not going to tell people that you need to immediately stop that, That is, but that is not how he's chosen to reveal himself. So um, the, the chief one that I would start off with is his own personal name. And this is, you'll see this in your Old Testament whenever the word Lord is written in all capital letters. That means behind it, in the Hebrew that in which the text was originally written, you have the name Yahweh. That's God's personal name. I'm Kevin. He's Yahweh. You're Sarah. You're Andy. He's Yahweh. And he reveals his name so that then, being on, if you will, a first name basis with him, we get to do a couple things. One, we get to talk to him, just like I'm on a first-name basis with the two of you, so that's nice. I get to have a conversation with you and, and such. But also, uh, being on a first-name basis, knowing him, that means also we can speak faithfully about him, what he has told us is true about him. So being on a first-name basis with the two of you, I'm going to say what is true. Now, I know Sarah a bit better than Andy. I've known Andy longer than Sarah, but I know Sarah better because uh, she is a member of my congregation, so I see her more regularly. And so I can say, hey, I know Sarah. Sarah is a uh, native of Michigan, and mm -hmm. I think you're a Wolverine fan, right? Yep. Okay. All right. It's, <laughs> I didn't want to offend you by saying a Spartan fan, actually. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, so, but also I can talk about, oh, you love to bike and, and on down the line. So saying things that are true, that respects your name. Now, this is all the more the case when it comes to the Lord. He's revealed himself by his name. So we want to use that name as he's revealed it to say what is true about him. 
Hmm. And I have more questions to ask, and I know that they're going to go. I know we have another segment to get to, but um, <laughs> one more. Okay, before we go to the next segment, where do we find God's name in Scripture? And, uh, and then what do we learn about him? What do we learn about his nature from his name as we dig into Scripture? You already gave us one, um, yeah. mm-hmm. one of those names, but where do we find God's name in Scripture? all over the place you know, and uh, you know you can and that and that's quite the case you know not only will you see for example lord all capital letters popping up all over the place in the old testament but also you'll just see these references to in the name or the name of god or something you know those kinds of references where it's always hearkening back to his name is there therefore he is there and therefore the fullness of his um of his character and such is there. Now, um, I know we're, we're coming up short on time, so I'll just put it this way rather quickly. What is bound up in his name? It's his character. And the thing that you end up finding is that, of course, he is holy. But above all else, I would put it this way. His name brings his grace and mercy. And I'd love to talk more about this on the other side of this break, is that this is what we get in Exodus chapter 34. We do need to take a quick break. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Kevin Golden about his new book, Blessed Be His Name. We will come back with more about this after the break. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Kevin Golden about his book coming out from CPH, Blessed Be His Name, all about the name of God. And before we went to break, we were talking about where we find the name of God in Scripture and what that reveals to us about God and his nature. And Pastor, you wanted to dig into Exodus 34 about uh, what that reveals about God to us. Yeah. So this is Moses who's going up on Mount Sinai. This is not long after the first giving of what you and I know as the Ten Commandments. Uh, And uh, you may remember Moses comes down off the mountain. He finds that uh, the people of Israel have fallen into idolatry and they've got the golden calf there and he throws down the stone tablets. And to be to put it lightly, Moses is rather dejected by all this. So he goes back up on the mountain and uh, the Lord says, okay, I'm going to reveal my name to you and I'm going to let you see my glory. So this is the the famous well-known incident where he hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and he and the Lord passes by and he tells him, all right, Moses, you're not allowed to look on my face because anyone who looks on my face cannot live to tell the tale because I'm holy and you're not. You're a sinner. 
So I will let you look on my back. And as I pass by, I'm going to declare my name to you. And so by declaring his name in the biblical mindset is to say, I'm going to reveal who I truly am to you. So as the Lord passes by, he cries out, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then it goes on from there as well. But it's that first part that I'd really want to focus on is when the Lord is revealing who he really is, when he is speaking his own name, Yahweh, what does he say of himself? He says that he is a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He doesn't run right immediately to say that I am a God who is almighty and holy, and therefore I need to punish you because of your sin. That's not first off the bat. What's first off the bat is his grace and mercy. So God reveals that at his very core, at his very heart, he is gracious and merciful. Everything about God runs through his grace and mercy. So if you're going to rightly understand him, you got to know his name and what he's packed into that name is his grace and mercy. So what should you expect from him? Grace and mercy. And what a blessed thing that is. Hmm. So what happens when, when God places his name on something or someone? Yeah. And, you know, you can see a bit of this happening even in our own lives is that naming something, and this is a very biblical thing, but also carries through into our own setting, is that uh, to name something is an act of authority that not just anybody can, if you will, name a child, but only the parents who have authority over that child. And the same thing also, when the Lord names us, he is has it's an act of authority over us but notice what happens when he names us first of all in holy baptism he even puts his own name on us and by putting his name on us he is claiming us as his own just like when you were a child you put your name inside of your favorite book well that book is yours um, the Lord does the same thing with us in baptism puts his name on us claims us as his own but also it's a statement again that he's going to dwell with us. Remember, I referenced earlier the dedication of the temple, and Solomon talked about how the Lord's name was dwelling there, and therefore the Lord was there. So when the Lord puts his name somewhere, that's where he is. And this is even true for us in holy baptism. He puts his name on us in holy baptism, so that means he dwells with us. So it's uh, not uncommon to hear Christians talk about how, well, God, Jesus, or the Spirit dwells in my heart. Well, the question we can follow up with that is, well, how did he get there? Well, because he put his name on you in holy baptism. And so since you've got the name, you know that he dwells with you as well. It's one of my favorite things as a pastor, and uh, maybe I'll change that word instead of favorite. I'll say one of the most meaningful things I do as a pastor is when I'm handling a funeral for a member of the congregation, and uh, there is the committal in which pastor puts his hand on the casket and says, God, the father who created this body, the son who by his blood redeemed this body and the Holy Spirit who in holy baptism sanctified this body to be his temple shall keep these remains until the day of the resurrection of all flesh. Well, how did the Holy Spirit sanctify that body to be his temple? How did the Holy Spirit take up residence in that body? That's what happened with baptism because he put his name on us, the name of the father, son, and Holy Spirit. And there you see what true authority is. 
naming involves authority. Authority in the mind of a sinner like me often goes in the way of power, but not for the Lord. Authority is about responsibility. So when the Lord names us, puts his own names on us, claims us as his own, dwells within us, he's taking responsibility for us to continue to meet our needs in the days ahead. Not just our physical needs, but certainly including that, but even more what is necessary for life everlasting by perpetually forgiving our sin. Speaking of baptism, how do we use God's name in uh, in the church, in our liturgy, in our in our lives as Christians in a congregation? So I will encourage the listeners, um, hey, listen during the hymnody. Notice how often we sing in our hymns about the name of the Lord. Also take note of it in the liturgy itself, how often the name of God is referenced and such. But I will focus in, in our time today really on the divine service. Notice how the divine service begins. It begins with the invocation. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, right there, that does a variety of things for us. On one hand, it makes it very clear. We're not here uh, for a generic God, but for a very specific God who has revealed himself in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not here as Hindus. We're not here to uh, worship uh, some nameless God. We're here to, to for a very specific God. It also calls us back to our baptism. It's as if the Lord's saying, hey, I put my name on you in baptism, and now I've got you back here again so I can give you some more good gifts. So here we go. So it really sets the stage. Here is that God who's revealed himself to be gracious and compassionate, and he's ready to give more gifts. Now go to the end of the divine service. We close, or I should say the divine service, the Lord closes with the benediction. And most often it's what we call the Aaronic benediction. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, etc. Now, that is taken directly from Numbers chapter 6. Uh, God gave this to Aaron, the first high priest, and said, okay, you and your sons who are going to be the priests, you're supposed to speak this blessing over my people. And uh, if you look at the original, if you go there to Numbers chapter 6, you'll see Lord is in all capital letters again. So it's actually Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord even then talks about what he's doing with that blessing. So he gives that blessing, and then he says, and so you will bless the people of Israel, and I will put my name on them. So what really happens in that blessing is God puts his name on us. Notice the divine service is bracketed. It is begun and ended with reference to the name of the Lord. The first one, maybe especially the invocation, recalls your baptism into his name. The benediction is as if the Lord is putting his name upon you again and saying this. As you head out into the rest of this week, know that you go with me. I'm putting my name on you anew so that you have my strength, you have my grace, my mercy, you have me attending everything you do. That. <clears throat> that speaks volumes about the difference between God's name and, and our names. <laughs> when God yes. puts his name on something, 
a lot more happens than when I put my name on something. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now, I would encourage us all to honor our own names, obviously, yes. by uh, what we do with them. But yeah, I cannot do with my name with what the Lord does with his name. Well, speaking of, uh, we've talked about how God uses his name in, or how we use God's name in church and, and what he does in that. What about in our daily vocations? So I would encourage you to, uh, of course, our listeners to use the name of the Lord as he's chosen to use it, that it is a holy name. And something that uh, kind of is part of the rhythm of this book that I've written is kind of pointing out some of the uh, inappropriate ways that we use God's name, when we take his name in vain, if you will. And in the close of the book, I reference a hymn written by Yaroslav Vida great hymn writer. Mm -hmm. And this is one that hasn't made it into the hymnal, but it's uh, it was published in a compendium of his hymn text by Concordia Publishing House. And uh, he talked, I love this hymn for a lot of reasons, but one of the beautiful things he does in there is he takes some of the common ways that we misuse God's name and he puts them into their proper usage. So he'll do something like this. Oh my God, listen to my cry. And I, I'm not getting his words quite right there, but we're getting the gist. Uh, or uh, in another stanza, he'll do something like this. Um, Jesus Christ, the world's redeemer. Jesus Christ, God's only son. So the very name of our savior that is so often flippantly on the lips of people in our society, well, he puts it upon our lips in a very holy way so that we're using his name for its proper purpose. Going back to the second commandment, remember, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't use it in an empty way. But do use it. Use it with all that stuff that he packs into his name. So when you use the name Jesus Christ, use it to call upon him in prayer, but also use it to say, he is the world's redeemer. He is God's only son. And now you're using his name for its holy purpose. Well, this has been a great preview of the book, uh, coming out late December, hopefully from the CPH, uh, all about God's name. Thank you so much, Pastor Golden, for joining us on the Coffee Hour today to talk about your book, Blessed Be His Name. Always a pleasure. You can find this book uh, at cph.org and uh, more things available from CPH, of course. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.